0: Why don't you come on up here, buddy, let me pray for you. The gift of the Costlers in Restoration Fellowship. Love these guys. Lord, we're grateful for Matt, we're grateful for the heart that he carries. Lord, I thank you that one of the messages of his life is the beloved son, is the love of the Father. And as he brings this message this morning, God, would you open our hearts. I ask for that passion, the understanding that Matt has that causes a fire within him for this message, that that knowledge, Lord, would be supernaturally given to us in a greater way as he opens up the word, as he talks about his understanding, as you've brought him in at deeper levels of this, Lord. Bring us up in our level of understanding as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, thanks, Justin. Um, I love this church family. I love this church deeply, and uh, (laughs) thank you, thank you. I'll tell you, and the Lord loves this church. The Lord loves us, and uh, before I even get started, um, in the last... Week and a half, one of the things that touched my heart in the last actually, last week. I don't know if I've been brought to tears by the Lord for a little while, but something that brought me to tears last week was um, a discontent in my expectation for who He is and what He's doing. And I felt convicted of the expectation that I placed on myself. And I felt discontent with the expectation that I've placed on a lot of you and a lot of people in this congregation. And the Lord gently and kindly corrected me in where I'm placing my expectation and where I'm placing in my hope. And so what I'd love to do is, can you please put your hand um, on the person on your left and on your right for me? And I wanna pray for us that this is not just a Sunday morning where we just get together and we gather, but this is a time when the Lord is speaking and he's moving and he's present. And I wanna ask that the Holy Spirit would open up our hearts to listen, to hear, to break down the walls and partner with him in breaking down the walls that are preventing us from actually hearing his voice, from believing his word, and expecting him to move. So so will you pray with me? Father, we love you. This is a church. We are a family that loves you. We believe in you. God, in the areas where we have lacked expectation or we've placed our expectation in men and women and leaders and those around us, Father, I ask that you by the Holy Spirit would redirect our expectation, would you redirect our hope in this moment and would you place a focus of our hearts on you and what you are saying, what you are doing, how you are moving and how you are feeling, God. I am asking right now, We are a people, we are a church, and we are a family that wants to hear what you are saying. And we want to once again place our expectation and our hope in the move of our God. And so God, we are asking for every person in this room, young and old. God, I'm asking for the person on our left and for the person on our right, for the person in front of us, for the person behind us, we set ourselves at your table in which your blood links us, joins us, unites us in the love of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that I'm asking, open our hearts. What are you saying and what are you feeling? Change us and transform us this morning, even beyond our expectation. You are the one who is able to give exceedingly and abundantly above what we can ask for and imagine. And so what we expect from you this morning, do more, be more, be who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Uh, Justin said it really, really well. I, uh, when I have the opportunity to speak, uh, I love, Peyton and Austin were praying for me this morning, and one of the words they said was like, may he have clarity and may he be concise, Oh, how my brothers know me so well, you know? Like, be concise. And I get it. When when I'm asked to speak, or when I feel like I have a word to say, uh, uh I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm like, I don't know what to say because if I looked at a journal, I could be like, go off on bunny trails on anything. Like I Love the Lord and I love to hear what he's saying and a lot of times I'm like I don't know what to say because I will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and you know what usually happens is I go back to the last message and the same message which it is we are the beloved. I can't tell you how much this message has changed me, and I'll probably say some of the same things. Like, You might look back at some of the messages I've given over the last couple years. I might say the exact same thing today. Tough. You get to listen to me because I have the mic, right? So... That's just how it is, and, and I found myself being like, I have so many different messages, but this is the message on my heart, and this is the message I believe that I'm meant to be delivering over and over and over again, and that is just to simply say, we are loved. We are loved. And I, I just keep on thinking to myself, what a simple message. What a simple message. Do you know that all of our sin and all of our issues would actually just be taken care of if we actually believed and received the love of God? Every message would pale in comparison to the fact that we are loved and if we actually just overflowed in the receiving and of the abundance love of Jesus Christ, do you know that all of our issues would be wiped away? And I, I tell you, and I, once again, I'll share this story again. I was asked to teach at a Christian high school back when I lived in Ohio. Tasha and I were uh, living in Ohio. And they are like, hey, will you come and teach? Will you come teach a semester? Will you come and teach a class for us? I was like, absolutely. And I was like, I would love to teach on the love of God. And they said, we've done that already. Can you do something else? I'm sorry, what? Yes, we've already done that and we've covered the love of God and so we would like you to teach on something else. Because apparently the love of God which surpasses knowledge did not surpass the knowledge of the teenagers that lived and went to that school. So the surpassing knowledge of the love of God seemed to have been known by them, the mystery that we are going to know for an eternity that are constantly learning about the love of God and growing in the love of God was already known. And we laugh, except for we do it every day. We laugh uncomfortably because we're like, I know the love of God, and yet we are all stuck in our own sin patterns. And we're all stuck with the same feelings of shame. I love it. Shame or blame, that's usually where I go to. When something goes wrong, first I like to blame other people because it's their fault that I sinned. Anybody? And then after I'm done blaming someone else and realize it's my fault, the focus still doesn't go towards the Lord and His unending kindness because then the blame of other people has turned into shame of me and why I'm no longer worthy of love. And so so we have the blame game and we have the shame game and neither are the focus of the great love of God. And so the one answer to the blame game, to the shame game, is setting a focus where it's supposed to be, and that is our first love. I love what Erica's saying, you are my first love. And I love that passage in Revelation 2, that you are my first love. And we're so honestly going back to me like, you're my first love. You are my first love. Uh, You're the person I love first, when I think our first love is actually supposed to be the one who loved us first. When I'm returning to my first love, the reality is I need to return to the one who loved me first. And that is Jesus. But I want to bring perspective today. Um, I gave notes. They're not really notes. They're a bunch of scriptures, and so I don't read them all out loud and take all the time. I would love... Just to pay attention, you can take this home and study it and read it. It's all the scriptures that I'm going to talk about, but I'm not going to spend all the time reading them all out loud. So the, the, just, the, the gist of the entire message is we are the beloved, and the only person that we can learn that we're loved from is from the one who was loved perfectly. I'll tell you, one of the things that has affected my life greatly in the last five years specifically, and I feel like specifically here in Pagosa, is I've always wanted to be a man that loves well. Who would like to be known and have a legacy as being someone who loved well? Who, who at their, their, I mean, God forbid their funeral, but like, you know what I mean? Like if, if you, at the end of your life, if Jesus came down and he looked at you and says, you loved well, You were a person that was so kind. You were a person that was so truthful, so good, so honest. You loved so well. And that used to be my effort. That was my sole effort. I wanted to be known as a man who loved well. And all of a sudden, I looked at Jesus because who thinks Jesus loved perfectly? I agree. And I feel like the Lord is looking at us as a church today and he's saying, beloved, Restoration Fellowship, I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus. And our first instance will be to say "Then I want to love well like Jesus and I feel like that's not what he's saying today. I feel like I want you to be like Jesus and in the case of I want you to be loved well. Jesus' identity was not found in the one who loves perfectly for the most part. Jesus' identity was the one as the beloved son, meaning he was the one who was loved perfectly and received love perfectly. And so I want to address three different things today. One, and I love what the Lord has done in tribes. I have personally been affected by tribe in just about one of the greatest ways ever. Like, If you know our vision for tribe, everything that we do, everything that we want to accomplish, everything we want to aspire to is who God says what? Who God says he is, that's right. Who God says he is and who God says that's right. So who God says what? He is and who God says We are, and to me, that is what Jesus did. And so the three things I wanna go ahead and address and feel the Lord is saying is who did the Father say that Jesus was? What was the confidence in which Jesus had and who the Father said he is, and how did Jesus agree with his Father? And therefore, we can trust who Jesus says that we are. Those three things, simple, you're gonna see the first set of scriptures. I'm not gonna read them all. I'm just gonna read the first one. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, "This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased." Matthew three seventeen. Heck, I'll read a couple more. Then a voice came from heaven. Mark one eleven. You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Luke 3.22, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. What did the father say about Jesus? What identity did he give to Jesus? He was well pleased. He is loved. He is a son. Is there any doubt what the father has said about Jesus. He said it over and over and over and over again. This is my beloved son. And even more so at the transfiguration in Luke 9.35, this is my beloved son and therefore what? Hear him. I love him and because I love him and he knows it and he agrees, he has something to say. Who would love to have a voice of impact in this room? Who would love to speak and watch healing occur? Freedom occur. Do you know where the confidence of your voice comes from? A voice above you that says, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased. This is in whom is all my delight, it says in Isaiah. And so it's so important to have a foundation of why Jesus is perfect. I don't think we think about it very often. Most people are just like, Jesus is perfect, why? Because he's, he's God, right? He's just, he's, it's easy for him to be perfect because he's God. And we act as though Jesus has no choice. How many of us have thought to ourselves, Jesus doesn't really have a choice to be perfect because he's just God. Anybody ever think that? Or actually, did anybody ever not think of that? And now you're thinking about it and you're like, oh, we love to give the excuse that we can't be like Jesus because we're not God. We love to give that excuse. Well, he's God and he's perfect. The truth is Jesus had a choice to be loved by the Lord. Jesus, for an eternity, had the choice to both believe and receive the love of his Father from eternity past. Has we ever thought of the truth that Jesus' eternal identity is the beloved Son? I love what Justin's been talking about over these last uh, month, month and a half. He's talking about contending for the kingdom to contend, to fight for, to believe, to contend for the coming kingdom. And I feel like the Lord is saying, we need to contend not just with a hope for the future of a coming kingdom, but we actually need to contend for not just an eternal kingdom, but for our eternal identity. And we need to contend for that today. We need to contend that our eternal identity and that the glory that we will walk in for an eternity will be that as beloved sons and daughters and beloved children of God. And we don't need to wait for the coming kingdom to contend and believe for that identity today. And our eternal identity is found in that because Jesus himself had an eternal identity from everlasting to everlasting as the Son who was loved, and he chose it daily. When there was no time, he still chose it all the time. I don't know how to say it any better. And so, is there any denying who the Father said Jesus is? Anyone? Any objections? Okay. Now, as a father myself, as a husband myself, as a brother and a friend myself, just because I speak truth to somebody doesn't mean we have to believe it. And so for an eternity, the Father could have spoken, you are my beloved Son, you're the one whom I'm well pleased, you are the one in whom all my delight is. But the truth is, just because someone gives an invitation into love does not mean it has to be accepted. And so, therefore, we have to believe what the Father said about Jesus, but what do we also have to believe? That Jesus, what? He received and accepted it. And I want to go through the second part of these scriptures is the reality that Jesus, for the most part, said once in all of Scripture that he loved the Father. And yet here's time and time and time again that he found his identity and agreed with the truth that the Father loved him. John ten seventeen. therefore, my Father loves me. John 59, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. And I love John 17. I'm going to read this whole scripture. John 17, 23 through, through 26. I in them, this is his final prayer. I in them and you and me that they may be made perfect and one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I've declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus constantly in Scripture spoke out loud in agreement that the Father loved him. And I think to myself, how often do we agree that the Lord loves us, and do we believe it? I promise you, beloved, we are a church that loves Jesus. I'll tell you, I can't imagine being anywhere else in this place with all of you. We have a church that is loved and is passionate about Jesus. Any message that, that is brought to this platform, I, I, I'm speaking to myself And I'm speaking to all of us, but I have to say we are a church that's passionate about Jesus, passionate about love for him. But I'll tell you from even our own congregation, I hear more words of self-hatred and more words of degradation and more words of death over ourselves more than I ever hear Jesus loves me. I hear more words from people and even my own heart, my own voice that talk about myself and others without any conviction that actually speaks that says God loves us. God has accepted of us. God has chosen us. And I looked at the scriptures and Jesus wasn't even bent on trying to tell everybody. He wasn't standing up here and be like, we love Jesus so much, we're so good, we love the Father, I love the Father, I'm so awesome, I'm this. He stood so oftentimes in front of men and said, I am loved by the Father. I am loved. And you know that his actions demonstrated an overflow of the love the Father had to him at all times. I don't want my legacy to be the man that that loved Jesus perfectly and loved Jesus perfectly. I want a man, I want to be the man whose legacy was like, that man was loved. That man was confident in the love of Jesus. Look at the way he treated his wife. Look at the way he treated his kids. Look at the way he led ministries. Look at the way he served ministries. Look at the way that he did things when nobody was watching. Look at the way that he served his coworkers and his managers. Look at the way he did all this. That all came from an overflow and a foundation that he was confident in the love of God. Nothing shook that man. No tribulation shook that man. No trial shook that man. That man went through storms. That man went through betrayal. That man went through temptation. But gosh, everything that he did was such an indication. He was confident in the love of God. I hope that in my legacy, that when I'm gone from wherever I'm at, that nobody is like, oh, he loved Jesus. I hope I can love Jesus like him. I hope that they look at like, who is this God that loves him? that caused him to act in this way? Who is this Jesus that that loved him? How is he so confident? He didn't care about money. He didn't care about power. He didn't care about the respect and praise of men because he knew God loved him. That's what I want my legacy to be. And that is what God desires our legacy to be. As a church, as Restoration Fellowship, I just have this deep desire. I hope that people in our own town look and be like, that is a group of people and that is a family confident in the love of God, confident in the love of Jesus. Those are a group of people who are like Jesus because they can agree that they are loved by him and that that is the focal point and the most important foundation to have. And I love that these scriptures say that. I love Jesus' agreement with being chosen, with being accepted. I love Jesus' agreement with the truth of being loved and cherished and delighted in. And I feel like that is what the Lord is inviting us into. I really love, I'll tell you, one of the things that got to me was even the passage in Isaiah. And and I didn't think about it much until it's Isaiah 42, 1. It says, behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. And I want, to, I want us to pay attention. I feel the Lord is saying, hey, he places his spirit upon and within the ones whom he loves and he cherishes and he delights in. And do you want to know why? Romans tells us, and I'll tell you, this is a revelation that has been struck me and struck me over and over again. The role of the Father before creation, what was it? What was his identity? What did he do for all of creation, before all of creation? What did the Father do? He's a Father. What did he do? He loved his Son for an eternity. There was no creation. what is the Father's eternal identity then? To do what? To to love. But before creation, all he did was love the Son. So therefore, what was the eternal identity of Jesus? To be loved. That was it. And so what was the identity of the Holy Spirit then? Romans 8 says it to me struck me it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God I know that the Holy Spirit's the healer and he's the comforter, he's the teacher he's the counselor he didn't need to do any of those things so they can't be his eternal identity of what he did pre-creation And so, what I realized about Romans 8 is that for an eternity, he was simply a witness of bearing witness to the love of the Father and the Son. I love the idea of the Holy Spirit coming and counseling and comforting and healing, but more than anything, I actually believe that the eternal identity of the Holy Spirit bearing witness to the love of a father towards his son and bearing witness of the children of God, that is one of the main foundations of why we have the Holy Spirit. So that when Jesus left upon the ones in whom the Father has taken all of his delight and all of his love, In all of his acceptance, he's placed and giving us the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit, while Jesus is gone, can do what for our hearts? Can bear witness that we are what and who? We're the children of God. And so I look at these passages and I'm just like, wow. Like, you know, I was thinking about Isaiah 61 and I'm like, okay, here we go. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I can bind the brokenhearted. I can set the captives free. I can speak of the coming day of Jesus. I can pour forth the oil of gladness, call forth garments of praise. I can do all these different things because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But who is the Spirit of the Lord upon? First and foremost, the ones whom the Father what? Loves. We cannot be a people who want to set the captives free and yet we do not decide and we choose not to believe and receive the love of God. We are not going to be the people that actually call forth garments of praise to somebody when we are sitting degrading ourselves and trying to tell people why we aren't worthy of being loved. I looked and I'm like, that's the point of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit looks at us and he's like, okay, here we go. You're children of God. And we're not going to be children of God according to 1 John. We're not going to be children of God when Jesus comes. We're not going to be loved. We're not going to be accepted. First John, it says, now, it says, beloved, now we are children of God. Now, today. Today, Jeremiah, you're a child of God and you're loved today. Lauren, today, you're loved. You've been accepted. You've been chosen. Andrew, now, today is the day the Holy Spirit rests not just upon you, but within you. You've been accepted. You've been chosen in believing so you have the voice To call forth and set the captives free. Adam, today, this is the day to believe, to receive that you have the Holy Spirit because you have accepted the love of Jesus. You've been welcomed into the beloved today. Does that grip our hearts? Does that touch our hearts? Is it a possibility that maybe we haven't seen the captive set free? And this is not an act of shame. This is just to say God's saying there's an increase of receiving the love of God today. The Holy Spirit dwells within you, Morgan. How often do you just realize and sit and think of yourself, I am chosen. I'm accepted. Who reads Ephesians 1 and says, Blessed, I want to, everybody shut your eyes. I'm going to read this out loud. I'm going to read this out loud. And with thanksgiving in our hearts, let's listen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us, beloved, restoration in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to beloved restoration as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the goodwill of his pleasure, to the praise of the glory of his grace in which he made us accepted in the beloved. Keep your eyes shut and for a moment what would happen during the day, when we were being addressed, when we were being persecuted, when we were going through a storm, when we were frustrated with our spouse or our kids or our church or our workplace? What if we took a moment and pause and just say this with me? I am accepted. I have been chosen. I've been delighted in. I've been welcomed into the beloved. We're going to say that again with more confidence. Keep your eyes shut and say, I've been accepted. I have been chosen. I have been delighted in. And I have been welcomed into the beloved. What would that confidence do to our hearts daily? I'll tell you guys, I am so... I cannot even tell you how much I believe this is the foundation of the church. Had so many discussions. And I've been to a lot of different churches, I'll be honest. And so much of the vision starts with, like so much of the vision starts with love God and then what? Love, how many people have been to a church where that's the vision? Love God, love others. Let me just tell you how often we are walking out that vision and then we wonder why we're weary. We have a vision that says love God, love others, that's simple, that's it. And guess what? It is oversimplified because we wonder why we're weary because we try to love God first. That is an issue. Who has gotten weary in the last year of trying to love people? Who's gotten very weary of trying to love God? I have gotten tired of trying to love God because everybody wants a simplified vision of love God, love others, and then we get weary and tired, and guess what? We get prideful because we think we love first. Make no mistake, there is no case where we love first. Never. There's no case where we forgive first. Where we offer mercy first. A lot of our vision in its simplicity has been oversimplified because we've forgotten the step of being loved. We've grown offended with each other. We've grown bitter with each other because we have to be the person that has to be the bigger person. I wrote this, never convince yourself that you are the first to love. <laughs> it's funny, uh, I, and I've had it my whole life too. Like, you know, has anybody ever sinned in this room? Like, this week, anybody? You know <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, has anybody ever sinned? And I think to myself, like, has anybody ever, like, told yourself, like, or told someone else, just stop sinning? You know what I mean? Like, just stop sinning. Stop watching that. Stop drinking so much. I mean, my gosh, isn't that, just, just put the bottle down. I mean, stop sleeping around. Like, I mean, it's choice. How about stop being bitter? Stop being so unforgiving. Do you know that doesn't work? I mean, has that ever worked for someone? You're upset with someone. You're bitter with someone. Has it ever worked for someone to be like, just stop being bitter? Just stop being bitter. Have you ever been angry? I've been angry, and they're like, someone's like, stop being so angry. What does that do? Literally, don't you just matter? Stop being bitter. I'm more bitter, and now I'm just bitter with you. So maybe I've got misdirected anger, but now I'm just bitter with you. And now I feel like I have to repent to two people. So I just, uh, you know, and I've said it to people before. I'm like, I mean, they just need to stop being bitter. That's all. It doesn't work. You know what does work? Jesus loves you. You know what does work? Jesus loves you, and, and I know he loves you because I love you and there's a fraction of the way that I love you, and I know he loves you. That is what will dissipate bitterness. That is what will dissipate uh, sexual addiction. That is what will dissipate alcoholism and drug use. That is what is going to dissipate disunity and unforgiveness. And yet, time after time, we're trying to move away from just telling people that God loves you. And do you know why? Because we've said God loves you, and because it didn't work when we said it, we've decided to move on and try something else. We have decided, actually, that I've done this, I've tried this with my children. I'm just going to be honest. Parent fails. I've tried the kind route. I've tried the loving route, and because and when it doesn't work, I've decided I need to be more harsh, have a louder voice, and be more direct. Because you can't spare the rod. So what I'm going to do is be less loving, less kind, less gentle, because those things don't work in discipline. I've decided that someone's response to my right thinking and right actions because someone hasn't responded to what I've done right, that what's right all of a sudden is wrong? You know what I'm saying? And that's what's happened to all of us. I've watched it in our family. I've watched it in our church. I've watched it in our workplaces. Harshness. Has overcome love. Bluntness has overcome gentleness and kindness. And we've taken people's responses and decided that when they didn't respond to kindness and gentleness and love, that it just doesn't work. And guys, it does. It just might not work in our timing. Because guess what? It doesn't, it doesn't always work with me. Is there anybody kinder than God? Is there anybody more gentle than Jesus? And does anybody love us in a greater depth than him? I don't always respond to love, and I don't always respond to kindness, and I don't always respond to gentleness, and that doesn't mean it's wrong or it's the wrong approach. Erica, do you want to come on up? welcome. I really, I have prayed for this church, and when I pray for this church, I include myself. I am a part of this church. I'm a part of this body, and I'm a part of this family. And I believe that the Lord is inviting us into a remembrance that we are loved. I believe that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us right now, and he is welcoming, and he's bringing us back. I keep on thinking of the Hosea 2 word where, um, and I don't even have it in my notes, so I'm going to read it. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like the Holy Spirit just gave the Hosea word, and there's a lot of words in Hosea, so let me just be... The Hosea, of course, my uh, internet doesn't work. All right, so Hosea 2, where it says that they beckoned her back into the wilderness. It was a beckoning, it was a welcoming, it was a kind word that brought back to the place where you might find in the wilderness your vineyards of joy. There's a beckoning back, a sweet invitation to come back. To remember, to remember those days when, oh, thank you, Erica, Um, technology's terrible. Uh, Jim Stern said to read from a Bible. Um, So, and it says, oh, and you even have it underlined. (laughs) Thank you, Erica. Hosea 2.14, therefore, behold, I will allure her will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor. And that's a valley of difficulty as a door of hope. And she shall sin there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to comfort our congregation and our family right now. I have no doubt that we have vision as a church to set the captives free. Guys, we're no better than any other church in this town. Like we're just not. Like That's not what I'm saying. When I say that I love being at Restoration, people misstate that as if like we're the best and we're this and we're that. I'm like, no, I've been set here. I've been set as a pillar in this church, and so have you. But in order to see the captives set free, to see the broken hearts brought forth again, I've seen so much despair and heaviness. And the Lord's calling us to garments of praise, the oil of joy, the proclamation of the word that Jesus is coming and he's bringing a kingdom. I mean, Justin, Justin loves the Lord and the Lord loves Justin. It's why he can proclaim the coming day of the Lord. It's why he has power and unction on his words when he comes up here and speaks. Erica can come and sing about the return of the Lord. There's unction and power when she speaks, but it's far more than talent. It's a people that believe by the power of the Holy Spirit that the love of Jesus has been poured on the inside. And so I wanna say, beloved, Be allured, be beckoned back into the love of God. I'm not saying don't be concerned with deliverance and broken hearts and healing. I'm not saying don't be concerned, but put the first thing first. Let's put the first thing back first so that those things naturally overflow. Not because we're contending or striving in our own strength, but because just like Jesus, he just said, the Father loves me. So I want to invite the ministry team up. I know a couple people that have talked to, come up and pray for people. Chase, come on up. And Andrew, come on up. Some of you might need to accept the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I'm not naive to think that just because we go to church that everybody here has accepted Jesus. Quillers, yeah, come up. I know Chase said, I'm not here to say that like, hey, like everybody here is just naturally a Christian you might need to come up here and actually give your life to Jesus. This might be the day. And for the rest of you, this might be the day where you come up and you need to commit again, not to loving Jesus, but to commit to believing and receiving his love once again. You might need to come up here and pray with one of these, one of these beloved ones you might need to come up and I would say don't pass that opportunity. Don't miss that opportunity. You might need to hear a voice say and agree and say you are loved. You are chosen and you are accepted. So Father, we take time. We take this time And we say, this is the most important thing to do in this moment. There's lunch to be eaten, there's there's things to do on a Sunday, but God, we block out any distraction right now and we want to come to you and say, love us. Holy Spirit, come and speak. Bear witness that we are loved and that we are children of God. May we walk away from here hearing the voice of the Father that says, This is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, come. Love us. We give this time to you. changes everything. We also want to invite you to come up and take communion if something, if somebody needs to come up and remember the blood of Jesus. If you need to remember sitting at a table and come before him and say this, your sacrifice of love. We want to invite you to communion. We want to come up We want to invite you to come up and take communion, come up and be prayed for. But we're going to take the next 10, 15 minutes to do that. As Erica sings.